Everybody, I love you. I thank God for those of you who are in the room, that you feel comfortable with public worship now. Um, and it's awesome. We've been going for seven weeks. And, you know, it's, it's great. Under the circumstances, pandemic on the outside and the presence, the power, the peace, and the protection of Jesus on the inside. <coughs> um, those of you that are watching online, man, I love you guys. We are one great big church family. We used to say we're one church in four locations, and now we say we're one uh, church in four locations and hundreds and hundreds of living rooms. In fact, over my study break, um, I worshiped at home uh, in front of my computer screen every weekend, and I loved it. Do you know why? Because I serve, I love, I worship an unlimited Jesus who shows up in power in a room like this or over a TV screen or a computer screen or something as small as your phone because he is without limits and he sends his Holy Spirit and he speaks and he moves and it changes our lives. I know I found this to be incredibly true. Um, over my study break. Let me show it to you, and then I'll, I'll tell you what happened. Our unlimited Jesus is present with peace and power wherever our hearts are open to him. If your hearts are open to him in this room, he'll show up in your presence and speak and move in your life. If you're watching right now from home and your heart's open to him, he'll move right through the screen, grab your heart, change your life. For me, over my study break, and if you're newer uh, to Central, I take a break in my preaching schedule, a break from writing sermons, so I can spend time, extended time, weeks of time in the presence of God with an open Bible and open heart to hear his voice and to find his direction for our church. So that's what I've been doing. And guess what? He proves himself to be faithful. He speaks he shows me the direction he wants our church to go. He guides, he comforts, he convicts. He comes and does healing inside. That's the faithfulness of our God. Now, part of that um, time away was a vacation for Deb and I to head to Colorado. That's where I got this uh, sweatshirt. But on the way, we stopped to see, if we can go back one picture, we got to see my mom and dad. Um, in fact, my mom and dad are watching right now. I love you. You're awesome. Keep me in the will. Um, keep praying for me, Mom and Dad. I love you guys. I call them every day. But this is the town we stayed in in Colorado. I uh, stayed there for a week. And even there, as soon as I got up, out on the front porch of the little cottage we were in, open Bible, open heart to hear from God. And he is faithful. And when he speaks, we get to obey. And when we obey, everything opens up for us. And so I've come back, not just from Colorado, but from my break to say to you, hey, it's time to take the lid off our lives. It's time boop, boop, to take the lid off of whatever limits are our lives. And I don't think this series of messages that God has given me, that I've designed for you, could come in a more timely moment. Because I look around and I see so many people living painfully limited lives, limited relationships, 
limited finances, limited emotions, like limit on their joy, limit on their love, limit on their hope, limit on their peace. So it's time that we take the lid off the limits on our lives. And I wanted to ask you, what is it right now that is painfully limiting your life? What's holding you back? What's keeping you from moving forward? Now, Jesus, he wants to speak what he's done in me. I've come to share with you. In fact, that's why I'm wearing this sweatshirt. My mom would prefer that I'm wearing a suit right now. It says explore. And that's what we're going to do for the next seven weeks. We are going to explore all the exciting, essential elements of living an unlimited life. One of the places we're going to start is right here at Central. We are going to begin adding worship options and opportunities. On the first weekend in November, November 7th and 8th, we will begin to have 8 feet 15 worship again over in our chapel. That very same weekend at 9 o'clock, we will have worship in this room. All weekend, every weekend, we will stream into your home. We will have digital services. Jesus will show up in your home as you open your heart to him. Saturday night at 5, we'll be live in this room and coming into your home. 8.15 in the chapel, 9 o'clock. Now, the good thing about all this is 9 o'clock will be live in this room and streaming into your home. 10.30 live in this room and streaming into your home. The great thing about this is we can have more options and even smaller crowds. Now, we... We are concerned about our children. It will help us increase our children's ministry by taking that lid off. But we are still going to be safe with our children. The entire city of Beloit school system is meeting virtually. No public classrooms. The town of Beloit where I live is on two-week quarantine. And so though we're making a place for more children, your children, we're going to make it extra, extra safe. And we are going to listen, whether we are toddlers, teenagers, uh, or, or in our old dotage. We are going to let Jesus speak unlimited life into our relationships, unlimited life into our finances, unlimited life into our emotions, because these are the words of Jesus. He says, you can have faith. If you have faith, nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. Next verse. Everything is possible for the person who has faith. But just to clarify, it's not the bigger the faith. To clarify, it's the bigness of our God. It's our God who is unlimited. Check this out. With God, it's faith in God. It's not the faith. It's the God we have faith in. With God, all things are possible. Um, so if this is true, that if we believe in God and with God, all things are possible, why is it that we continue to settle for little limited lives? Well, Jesus is up front on this gospel of John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus says the thief, Satan limits your life and violently limits your life. The thief Satan comes only to steal your joy, to kill your hope, to destroy your relations. Jesus, on the other side of the spectrum, I'm a whole different deal, Jesus says. Jesus says, I am come 
that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now in English, more abundantly, that's two words. But in the language spoken by Jesus, it's only one word, parisos. And parisos means superabundance. Now, if you got abundance, that's more than enough. That's overflowing. But if you got superabundance, Jesus, I came to bring you superabundance. That is unlimited, unlimited love, unlimited hope, unlimited peace, unlimited joy. That's what Jesus has for you. Here's the first exciting element of living an unlimited life. Fully surrender to the unlimited Jesus to fully experience the unlimited life. It begins with fully surrendering to him. And Jesus says, hey, this is a lifelong process. I'm still in the process as an old guy, surrendering more and more and more of my life to Jesus. Jesus says what it is, it's a daily determination. It's a daily decision to to render over to him more of our lives, to surrender more of our lives to him. In fact, Jesus said it this way. If you want to come with me, you must forget yourself. Forget yourself. Take up your cross every day and follow me. Why? Why would Jesus call us to forget ourselves? Because we get in the way of living an unlimited life. Why would he call us to put ourselves to death every day, to take up our cross and follow him, to deny ourselves, to put ourselves second? Because here's the deal. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. If you add anything to Jesus in order for you to be saved, you're just diminishing Jesus and polluting your faith. Jesus, you can have whatever you want to think. Jesus and your attitude, you get nothing. Jesus and your opinions, holding on to them, you get nothing. Jesus and your politics, holding on to them, you get nothing. But Jesus plus nothing that elevates him, that exalts him, that says that he is and you get everything. Jesus says, seek first my kingdom and my right way of living and all these things. You get everything thrown in beside. Don't diminish Jesus. Don't dilute Jesus and don't pollute your own faith. Jesus plus anything equals nothing, but Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Well, there's no one who unfolds this and explains it better than the best friend of Jesus, John. And John, man, he was there for everything. He was there front row seat for every miracle. He was there taking notes for every amazing, mind-blowing teaching. John was right there at the foot of the cross. I imagine that. I can see you. I've been at that place and outside the walls of Jerusalem half a dozen times. Now, as I look up at it, see the wind blowing across it, I just, I just know the blood of Jesus just got speckles of it, just got blown onto John. That's how close he was. John was one of the first who walked into the empty tomb on that first Easter morning. 
John was one of the first to see the risen victorious Jesus to reach out and with his hand touch the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. John was one of the first. And the good news for us is all that John knew of Jesus, he wrote down for us. Now here, here's the wild thing. In the book, John writes of Jesus. At the very center of the book is chapter 11. At the very center. The, 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 the early chapters, the first 10 chapters are chapters building up to chapter 11. From chapter 11 into the next 10 chapters, they are all founded on chapter 11. You get that? 10 chapters building up to chapter 11 and then 10 chapters leading from the foundation of chapter 11. Chapter 11 is a holy hinge on which the book of John turns the focus on the unlimited Jesus. So I'm going to take you into chapter 11. It's a long chapter, 57 verses, and that's more brain cells than I got left. So we're not going to do it all, but I would encourage you today to find some quiet time before bed and read chapter 11 in John's gospel. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw the spotlight on key verses that highlight the unlimited grace, the unlimited power, the unlimited person, the unlimited life found through surrendering to Jesus. Chapter 11 opens. John introduces us to three real specific people. A brother, Lazarus, his two sisters, Mary and Martha. And the limitation that they're suffering is that that Lazarus, their brother, is deathly ill, incredibly sick. So here's what happens. The word of God says, so the two sisters, because their brother Lazarus is on his deathbed, they send a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. You've healed people you don't even know, but this is your friend. We're your friends. It's like we're all family. Jesus, please come. And so what does the unlimited Jesus do with this news? He does nothing. He goes into delay mode for two days. Now his guys, oh man, they're ready. They, they, they love Mary, Martha, and Lazarus as well. They want Lazarus to be raised up from that sick bed. They want him to be healed. They want to see their friend restored. So they're on their feet. Okay, Jesus, let's go. We got to hurry. We can't be late. We got to get there in time to save our friend. And Jesus says, take a load off, dudes. My translation. Jesus says, we're not going anywhere. Not right now. Here's what he said. Now, Jesus loved. Get that. What does the love of Jesus look like in your life? The unlimited Lord of all creation loves you with unlimited love. What's that unlimited love look like? Check it out. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. On the basis of that love, what's Jesus do? So, because he loves them, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two days. Why would love make him delay? Because love is not just what makes us feel good. It is always determined to do what makes God look good. 
that's what love does. The unlimited love of the unlimited Jesus. In fact, I want to show you this. The unlimited Jesus loves you with an unlimited love. It's amazing. It's phenomenal. It goes beyond imagination, goes beyond what we can grasp in our hearts and our minds. But it's the reality. He never stops loving us, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been with our lives. His love for us is unlimited. It just keeps pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. But his love, though it always acts for our good, it's not just to make us feel good. It's always to make him look good. You can memorize this and thank me later. The unlimited love of Jesus is not just about what makes you feel good. It's always about what makes God Look good. In fact, Jesus said this. Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by, by what takes place. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God. Now, to tell you the truth, it was a two-day journey from where Jesus was to where Lazarus, Mary, and Martha lived in the town of Bethany. Two days. So we know from looking at the Bible that Lazarus died on the very day that Jesus received the news because he waits two days. And then he travels the two days to get there. And when he gets there, Lazarus has been dead four days. Now, this was incredibly strategic and intentional on the part of Jesus. It was a tactic designed to point everyone to the fact that Jesus is unlimited in love, yes, but in power as well. Because in that day, they believed that when you died, your spirit clung to your body for three days. But on day four, the spirit had flown and it was absolutely impossible for anybody to come back from the dead when they were four days dead. So Jesus crosses the city limits into Bethany, approaching the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And Lazarus is four Days, absolute impossibility. A painful limit has been imposed on this family. Four days dead. Now it's easy to be frustrated with Jesus if you have a limited Jesus. You see, these folks, they had limits on what Jesus could do. They believed that Jesus was limited to only healing somebody if he was physically present with them. Not only that, they believed that Jesus was limited to helping the person as long as they were still sick. That, not, that, that it was absolutely impossible for Jesus to make any kind of difference for somebody who's four days dead. They put limits on what Jesus could do, but they also impose limits on who Jesus is. And when you got a limited Jesus, it's easy to get angry with him. It's easy to be disappointed in him. It's easy to be frustrated when you make Jesus confined to your limits. And that's exactly what happens three times in the text. First, the older sister Martha, she approaches Jesus. Martha said, Lord, dang man, if you'd just been here, 
My brother, remember how the message went? Your friend, mm -mm, we thought you were family. No more. You're out. You could have been here. My brother would, have, would not have died. And, and, and Jesus just absorbs her disappointment, just absorbs her, her frustration, just absorbs her anger. And in fact, there is something still inside. There is a faith quickening within Martha because she says this, even now, I know God will give you whatever you ask. So Jesus has Martha right where he wants her. And he takes advantage of this moment of faith. And he says to her this, he says, he told her, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. And, and, and then she backs off. She, it's like, I, I got faith, but I'm afraid to hope. This hurts too bad. I can't hope. I can't hope anymore. This hurts too bad. She starts to back off. Look what she says. I know, I, I, I know, I get it. He will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus is about to say, experiencing unlimited life, unlimited joy, unlimited relationships, unlimited love is not confined to an event or to time in the future. It's all about a who, and the who is the unlimited Jesus. Jesus is the unlimited God of unlimited life. It's not that just he was just a great teacher or some kind of religious prophet. He is the God, the one true and living God, and he is the God of life and death. He is the God of unlimited, unending life. So Jesus said to Martha, Martha, here's the deal. I am, that's God's name. I am Yahweh. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone like your brother who believes in me will live even after dying. That's Lazarus, but check it out. Everyone who lives in me, everyone who lives in relationship with me and believes in me, the word means to surrender. The Greek word is pisteuo, means to surrender. Who surrenders to me will never die. That's you, Martha. Everyone, you, Martha, who lives in relationship with me and surrenders to me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Man, this is a moment. Just he and her on this dirt street. Do you believe this, Martha? And so I thought I'd ask you in your living room, on your phone, in this room, do you believe this? That Jesus is the unlimited God of unlimited life. And that if you're alive as you are and you surrender to him and live in relationship with him, you will never die. Do you believe this? She goes and gets her sister. Sister was so angry, so frustrated, so disappointed with Jesus, but she gets up. She leaves the house and she goes to Jesus, followed by a little group of grievers. Here's what happened. Just like her sister, Martha, this is Mary. Mary says, um, whoa, 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 this is Martha. I'm sorry, forgive me. Martha says, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. Okay, back to the story. 
This is Mary. Mary, sounds a lot like her sister. Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. And then she collapses, just goes down to her knees, head bowed, face uh, toward the dirt, and she's just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing out of control. And the little group of grievers, man, they just spit out their bitterness at Jesus. Look what they say. They say, isn't this uh, the one who opened blind eyes? Why didn't he do something? Jesus, why don't you do something? God, why don't you do something? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? And Jesus did then what he does now when you're in emotional anguish, when you are hurting, 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 I'll tell you what Jesus does for you now. It's what he did then. When Jesus saw Mary sobbing and the other people wailing, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply discouraged. The idea is that he's absorbing all their frustration. He's absorbing all their disappointment. He's absorbing all their anger in, in, in himself. And it's a picture of what he would do on the cross when he died for you. It's a picture of what he would do on the cross when he died for me, that he would take all God's anger toward me for my sin and all God's judgment for you to, for your sin and God's all God's condemnation for us, for our sin. He just absorbed it into himself that we would never be judged, that we would never be condemned. Jesus said, everybody knows John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But what about John three seventeen? What's it say? Jesus says, for the son of man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's what Jesus cares about, saving everybody, 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 everybody. And the more we long to save everybody, the more we become like him. You see, Jesus is the God of unlimited compassion. He comes with passion by our side. This is a picture of his unlimited humanity, unlimited God of life. Unlimited compassion makes him the only perfect candidate qualified to die for our sins, fully God, fully human. And then guess what Jesus does? As an expression of him feeling what they felt and him feeling what you feel, he weeps with you and that's what he did. Jesus wept. Now, it wasn't Mary's out of control sobbing. It wasn't the crowd's wild wailing The Greek word used here for wept means that he wept silently. A single tear slid down his cheek. Here's what happened. Jesus, with these intense emotions, came to the tomb of Lazarus. It was just a cave with a stone placed over its entrance. Oh my gosh, this is a preview of what was going to happen that first Easter morning. Jesus said, roll away the stone. Mary protested, Lord... He's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Uh, The King James Version says, he stinketh. (laughs) We've cleaned it up. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? That's the unlimited life. When you surrender to Jesus in your marriage, you get a glorified marriage. In fact, the Apostle Paul explained it this way. Christ in you is the hope 
of glory. Oh, you're good. You get a raise. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in your finances is your hope of glorified finances. Christ in your emotions is your hope of glorified emotions. This is why we can say Jesus plus nothing equals everything because Jesus is everything. Okay. Here we go. Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe, that they may surrender, that, and know that you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Now, if you were standing there and you saw that happen, what would you decide about Jesus? that he is the Lord of unlimited life? Would you decide to stand with him? There were those there that ran away and spread the word to those who wanted to kill Jesus and kill Lazarus, the evidence of Jesus' unlimited love. But what about you? What about you? Would you be willing to stand with Jesus? I'm gonna ask you to. Right now, in your home, if you're driving your car, listen to this on the phone, pull off to the side of the road. Be careful when you get out, but get out. And take your stand for Jesus. As we go through this series of seven essential, exciting elements of the unlimited life, it begins with taking your stand for Jesus. And so if that's you in this room or on your computer, Take your stand right now. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.